0: It's a big week around the Ingold Magazine headquarters as IG Radio is officially legal as we celebrate episode 21 of the podcast that, thanks to you, has become an essential diet of goaltenders. Goalie parents, coaches, and those just looking to add to their knowledge base. Welcome back. And yes, thank you for subscribing. I'm your host, Darren Millard, presented by The Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Kevin Woodley and David Hutchinson are the brains of the operation. And while we're on the topic of brilliant minds, sports psychologist John Stevenson will join In Goal Radio today. John has most notably worked with Braden Holtby and Carter Hart. You may recall hearing his name last week as we discussed the now famous draft combine question. Do you like to stop pucks or prevent goals? Something along that line. Today, John will give you a deeper understanding of the mental side of the game. That discussion. With in goal co founders David Hutchison and the aforementioned Kevin Woodley, who slide into position. Gentlemen, you guys are fresh off respective trips to Calgary and you get to chat with uh, one of the great mental coaches in the game. Uh, Welcome to episode 21. We're growing up nice and fast. Uh, How how was your trip, uh, Woody, to Calgary?
1: It was good, it was really good had an opportunity to go be a part, uh, as a, I guess the official title is goalie consultant or goaltending consultant of the hockey Canada program of Excellence camp. So, um, the best and brightest, or at least what they believe to be the best and brightest, uh, of young goaltenders in Canada for the world junior team this year for the under 18 team, there's under 17 group, uh, 26 goaltenders in total on the ice for four days. Um, it was it was amazing. Uh, not just the goaltenders and getting to watch them, but getting to know the coaches. Uh, some some really uh, some really good coaches. Some some former players and some really good stories. And um, in, in addition to good coaches, some 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 guys that played in the league and shared some really good stories that we'll bring to you next week. Danny Sabarin uh, walks us through first town the Luongo bathroom break. Uh, for the 2007 playoffs (laughs) and what it was like to be there when Lou turned around and said no I gotta go Um, so we'll bring that to you we'll save that one for next week Jason LaBarbera was there Uh, he had some great stories about how helicoptering a stick down the hallway ultimately led him from the East Coast Hockey League to his first NHL call up Freddie Brathwaite caught up with him Uh, we'll have him in in a round table hot stove type format and we'll also do a longer one with him so some great conversations about goaltending, uh, goalie coaches, Lyle Mast, uh, uh, Dustin Schwartz of the Edmonton Oilers, Charlie McTavish, um, Paul Drew, I'm cramping on all the names right now because I'm an idiot. Freddie Brathwaite. Well, Fred Brathwaite we had, um, James Jensen uh, from the Everett Silvertips was there. Uh, obviously Danny Who drove the
0: Zamboni? St-
1: I-, I have no idea.
0: Well, if you're gonna run down everybody, you got to give me the guy that's r- working the machine.
1: Matt Weninger from Alberta was not driving the Zamboni from Hockey Alberta. He was there as a coach. I'm I've probably forgotten someone. That I'm absolutely gonna kick myself. But I got to be honest with you, the Zamboni drivers were the heroes because yeah. you watch goaltenders, and we some big boys. Alex Gravel, uh, just fresh off the Memorial Cup, was there. Hunter Jones, who's gonna be in this draft coming up, you know, pretty big-bodied goaltender. They get it down to the studs. You get you get goalies out there for an hour and a half going through creases. Uh, and the national women's camp was running at the same time. So we would basically chop the crap out of all the creases, and they had two at the sides, and then we get off the ice, lay a bunch of slush down, and they had to get that sheet back and ready and those creases back and ready for the women's after us, or vice versa. So uh, I may not know the name of the Zamboni driver, uh, but I can tell you right now they were probably the true heroes of the whole thing.
0: And you guys weren't in Calgary together. That's the that's the strange part to me. We were close. Touch. We were close. Yeah, just accidentally.
2: I, uh, I got to go there for a couple of different reasons. Um, was a guest of Eli Wilson, who we do a bit of work with, and he was visiting uh, Goalie Palooza which is put on by Pro Skate Goal in Calgary, and it's very similar to the Tendi Fest event that we've talked about many times on here. Uh, Similar sort of arrangement. Uh, With one difference, the ice times are run by goalie coaches. And uh, so Eli had a two-hour ice slot he was running, and I was there uh, doing some photography and uh, flying the in-goal flag at the same time. And uh, we're good friends of the uh, folks at Pro Skate Goal and Peter Martin, who runs the shop. Uh, We've known him through the day with Kerry Price and Eli every summer uh Eli was going into Calgary because he's going to be beginning a winter training program there for uh goaltenders in the Calgary area and uh just wanted to touch base with the market and it was a fantastic event and it just turns out that it was in the exact same building that Kevin was in with the Hockey Canada folks so I got to spend a little bit of time uh watching those ice sessions watching Kevin run around on the ice with his cameras and uh sitting in the stands talking to a few of the scouts that were there on hand and it was fascinating. Um, a number of scouts from NHL teams were there, as you might imagine, two things struck me. Uh, one was that they were really just there on their own, like, uh, independent citizens like us walking into the building. They weren't there invited by hockey Canada or supported in any way. They just know that the event's on and they, they hop into the building and that kind of surprised me a little bit. And, uh, just being able to talk to them and see how their eyes were opened up. I mean, we're, we're pretty late into the draft cycle here with the drafts, just a couple of weeks away. And I know that their eyes were getting opened up by a number of the goaltenders on the ice that weren't necessarily on their list and, and were making their way onto their list because they perhaps in some of the drills were eclipsing some of the guys that are a little bit better known. So uh, fascinating to see the the whole process, uh, not quite firsthand, but pretty close.
0: Now, did you break anything like uh, apparently uh, Woody did? Explain that, uh, Woody. When you a couple of cameras went down.
1: Yeah, when you have uh, cameras on the ice um, trying to get puck perspective video um, for use for for use in a curriculum um, that they're building for Hockey Canada, uh, they're at risk. I mean uh, some of the shooters that we had out there are guys that uh, have been drafted. Uh, Dylan Dubay was out there as a shooter of the Calgary Flames. Um, there were guys who were out there that are going to be drafted soon. I remember a couple of years ago, actually, one of the shooters at the camp was Kale McCarr. So there's pucks flying around. Some of them are coming off hot off pads, especially those Bauer pads just rocketing off. And uh, one shot missed the net, caught my camera, and it was just like a massive explosion of plastic and metal um, just kind of flying everywhere. The good news was two parts. A, again, for the Zamboni guy, he keeps coming up, whoever he is um i managed to get all the small pieces off the ice and and didn't kill a zamboni by leaving any behind two i actually managed to put most of those pieces back together and it turns out most of the damage wasn't the camera itself it was actually just the the unique little tripod setup that i had there in the holder in the case so um relatively unscathed and actually managed to get her back working on the ice for a little puck perspective video on the final day so all was not lost despite a a, a rather spectacular explosion and a lot of giggles from shooters who I would have, quite frankly, liked to strangle at that
2: point. Is there a good video coming? Is there a good uh, first-person video of this camera getting exploded?
1: That's actually a really good point. I should probably get through that footage. But as you can imagine, Hutch, (laughs) with uh, six cameras on the ice, four stations, every hour and a half of ice time, um basically becomes nine hours of footage multiply that multiply that by two a day, and I've got a fair amount of video to go through, so we're not quite there yet. let's put it that way, but I will eventually get there, and there will be uh, the one actually that's not a good one because that one came from behind that was another station, so the guy he was filming was not who blew it up, which is too bad.
2: We still get it, it, it falling on its face.
1: Yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah you'll, it'll, it'll be spectacular. It'll be violent. The best ones are when the puck goes right at the camera and you capture that. I've got a few of those. We've run those on the Old Eddie Lackhorn, yeah. Yeah, and Braden Holtby, too, where it comes off and boom, right into the camera.
0: You, you know what uh, the real explanation there is, Hutch, is uh, loop back and ask that question in episode 242. And he might get around to, to watching that video uh, with, with all the camera work. Uh, you, uh, just a quick story. Uh, you talked about the Zamboni and uh, and the small pieces. I once played in a rink where the, the plexiglass exploded, and instead of shoveling it, they brought out the Zamboni and tried to clean it up. Oh. And that did not work out very well for the machine. oh, my God. Don't do that. Don't do that at home, folks. But it was pretty funny to watch,
1: okay. Listen, I just because I am an idiot and now my brain is actually working, I actually yeah. forgot Scott Murray of the Stanley oh, okay. Cup champion, Washington yeah. Capitals was there, gave a heck of a presentation that basically broke down how tracking and the sort of this new way of looking at tracking essentially helped the capitals win a cup with numbers statistical evidence and specific examples of the type of movement patterns that they changed in Braden Holpe and examples of saves he wasn't making at the beginning of the season that he made in the cup run important saves that led them to the you know to a championship that was a great presentation I mentioned Dustin Schwartz was there already Sabrin, Mass, Pietro, Brathwaite, uh, Matt Wenninger Paul Drew, I mentioned, from Charlottetown in the queue. James Jensen from Everett. Charles McTavish. Charlie McTavish from Ottawa. I missed, and I had LaBarbera, but I missed Adam Brown from the Kelowna Rockets of the Western Hockey League as well, which was uh, a huge omission by me. Really enjoyed. It's the son of Newell Brown, Canucks assistant coach, uh, and really enjoyed watching him coach and looking forward to going through the video because, I, like I said, just really enjoyed sort of listening to his conversations and watching his stations over the course of the week.
0: And we've got that great roundtable with uh, those goalie coaches coming up next week, episode 22 of In Goal Radio, the podcast. Uh, While Woody's looking for some new gear, uh, camera-wise, if you're looking for some new gear on the goaltending front, uh, check out The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports in Surrey. We welcome Cam back this week for his gear Specific segment, uh, a couple of fun manufacturer focused interviews from Tendy Fest uh, the last couple of weeks. So Cam's been off, but uh, he's back on talking about some steel uh, this week, Woody.
1: Yeah, no, and I don't think it ties in quite nicely to our conversation with, um, uh, with John Stevenson on the mental side, to be honest with you, because. I, I think the mental side, of it, we hear goalies say 90% of the game is mental and yet they probably spend 5% focusing on it. And so interesting that, that Cam decided this would be a good week to talk about steel and replacement blades and some of your options. Because I do think as goaltenders, we tend to spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort looking at our equipment, our pads, our gloves, our blockers, our masks, chest protectors. And yet, in an era where skating's never been more important heading into the draft, all these goalie coaches there would tell you that. It's all about how they move. That connection to the ice may be the most important piece of your equipment. And much like the mental training, I think it's often overlooked. So a good segment with Cam sort of walking us through it. And another example of why we've teamed up with the hockey shop, Source for Sports in Surrey, uh, to bring you the In Goal Radio podcast. Because they have guys like Cam working in the store, in person, guys that understand the position, guys that know it 's not just about buying whatever's on the rack, whatever steel it comes with, um, there are options and and those options what can affect and will affect how you play. Uh, they carry all the best brands, they have a huge selection we've talked about it before it's every goalie's dream, the basement, the bottom floor, the goalie, sort of heaven. At the hockey shop Source for Sports in Surrey. Of course, not everybody is as lucky as me. They can't go into the store and visit them and say hi to Cam in person. Uh so for all those goaltenders out there, make sure you check it out online at thehockeyshop.com. Uh, they've got a great staff, like I said, not just guys. They just is hiring kids out of high school. Everybody in the goalie department plays the position, is passionate about the position, understands the position, and most importantly, understands how equipment will affect how you play the position. So make sure you check them out. The Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey
0: and thehockeyshop.com. Cam is coming up, and from the physical to the mental side of the game, last week we had a spirited debate. On the relevance of a question asked uh, of a goaltending prospect at the NHL Draft Combine, that one about do you like stopping pucks or do you prevent goals, Uh, I was on the side that it was of little use that question. David was opposite me. Kevin, like he does, he wanders uh, in between. Uh, My my
1: hockey team has officially informed me I do neither, (laughs) for the record.
0: Uh, but but that conversation was really involved three laymen. What about the area that created the query of uh, the psychologist's opinion? John Stevenson is a mental skills coach. He comes to the table with a PhD in psychology, a registered psychologist, the perfect person to spend some time with Hutch and Woody. This is a person that's worked with uh, Braden Holpe and Carter Hart. He may work between the ears primarily, but he started this journey with goaltenders talking stick on the ice and the glove up. A goalie coach turned master of the mental. John Stevenson with Woody and Hutch on In Goal Radio, the podcast.
1: John, I guess the first question that I wanted to ask you is how you made the transition. Like, how did you end up in this position um, working with some of the biggest names uh, in goaltending on the mental side? I mean, we know the relationship with Braden started as a goalie coach. But how did you go from being a goalie coach to being a sports psychologist special, or maybe specializing in goaltending is the wrong word because you work with so many people, but how did this transition, how did this start?
3: Well, it's funny because even when I was doing my goalie school, um, I would do technical training. And I still wasn't getting the results that I wanted. You know, like I'd be working on their shuffling or you know, working on their recovery and then only to realize that they weren't doing anything with regards to dry land training, like they weren't making their legs or their core stronger. So then with my goalie school, I added the, the, the physical, you know, training part. And then I started to quickly realize, you know, I'd be doing that. I do the technical, do the physical, and parents and kids would come back and, you know, he's still not performing well. And Then it was like, well, let's, let's watch some game film. And then I'd watch the game film. And then only to, you know, quickly realize that a lot of the kids had never been taught how to read the play and, and, you know, the anticipation skills. And so then we did that. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm watching the game film. And next thing you know, I'm seeing that, uh, no one had ever mentioned about, you know, how to get ready, you know, physically and mentally for the game. Or I'd see a goalie, you know, for a lack of a better term, lose their mind in the middle of a game. And they'd never been taught, you know, skills to refocus and regroup. And so it was kind of an evolution that, um, and, you know, and then the most recent uh, thing is here, I see all these kids going to their technical or dry land but then their, their sleep is terrible. Or the, you know, like Braden, I I was just in Washington last week and, you know, one of the, you know, I was, had spent the weekend with Braden and I, I didn't even realize this, but um, you know, on game day, Braden has almost 17 liters of water and, you know, that was a big issue for him, you know? And, and so I started to realize you know, in just even in the last few years, the amount of kids that are doing Fortnite and Minecraft and all this gaming and all this YouTubing, and I started to realize like you could do all the mental training in the world, but if their their diet and their sleep and all these other lifestyle issues that I call it, um so for me it's kind of been an evolution where all these different I, I call it the performance wheel. I literally draw it like a circle with each of these four components and then the hub being the lifestyle and just over time like I used to you know if I saw a tracking issue you know here I I would be thinking you know Kevin like it's it's a real you know I'm going to really work on their tracking I'll bring out the white pucks I'll bring out the mesh bags and meanwhile it could have been an issue that was off ice that had nothing to do with their technical part of the game and so I feel like I, I I without sounding arrogant I almost feel like I'm a better goalie coach now even though I don't do the technical part but it's because i'm bringing i'm looking at all of the different areas of their of their goaltending career so what can you walk
1: us through like what if you had a new client come to you now john like what would be that what would be the approach what would you how would you break it down what would be the focus for them to kind of help them build that wheel is it all encompassing you know, just walk us through, if I walked in, well, I mean, I'm snap-tastic and, and Hutch and, and Darren like to like to have a little fun with my tendency to maybe go, you know, full Tuka Rask back in the milk crate throwing days. Um, but if someone in general was a little more stable than I am came in, how would you, how would you start working with them? What, what kind of a focus would you start with?
3: Well, the very, very first session, whether it's a forward, defenseman, or goalie, I look at what I call the mindset and then we talk about the skill set, but the mindset is literally looking at that performance wheel. So I draw up the circle and I say, okay, we have our physical skills. We have our technical skills. We have our tactical, we have our mental skills. And that's what I call the seven C's of mental toughness, concentration, composure, consistency, confidence, commitment, coachability, and then the lifestyle. And, And literally my first, definition of mental toughness is this may sound harsh, but you got to get honest. And, and where do you suck? Um, I mean, if your core is not good, then we go, like, so I literally, if I, like if I had a, you know, a goalie in my office and I said, okay, if I phone up your dry land training coach right now, where would they say you need to get better? You know? And if I phoned up your goalie coach right now, where would you need to, to get better? And then if we're watching game film, You know, how well are you reading the play? So the very first session is we literally go over each of these components. Like somebody sitting across from me, how much water have you had today? You know, and how many hours of sleep? So we literally go, that's the first mindset because a lot of the, like right now, most of the goalies in Canada are doing what I call the top two quadrants. They're they're working on the physical part of the game and they're working on the technical but they don't even know a lot of the kids have never even been taught that you can really work on the tactical part of your game and you can work on the mental. And so that's how I, that's the first thing that I talk about. And then the second mindset is what I call the high performance equation. And I learned this from a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jacques Delaire. And it basically goes like this, a times B equals C. And A is your A game. It's everything that you have 100% control over that allows you to stop the puck. So basically what are all the things that you're going to do on and off the ice to stop the puck? The B factor in the equation is all of the uncontrollables, all of the things that you don't have direct control over. And then C is the results. And the first thing that I do is I get kids to look at their season. And you know, where have you been directing most of your energy? And I literally put a box around a times B equals C for each, each component. And you know, like I always tell the story, like if you look at Carter Hart, when he broke all those records in the Western hockey league, you know, at any point in time, if you ever asked him what his stats were his and it's true. And I mean, really sincerely, he has no idea and he doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't care but that's not his focus. He keeps his focus on his A game. And it's amazing how many goalies, um, when I break it down in that area, like where, you know, if you evaluate your season, because my second definition of mental toughness is what you choose to focus on. And if you've been spending the vast majority of your season focusing on the uncontrollables or focusing on your results, and if over, you know, like, I always joke about this, but when you're performing well, your focus is good. And when you're performing poorly, your focus is even better. But if your focus has been on the uncontrollables or results, well, then clearly your focus hasn't been on your A-game. And that's the first starting point is really helping goalies to become more self-aware. These are the key things that we need to be focusing on to develop our A-game, if that makes sense.
2: That makes a lot of sense. John, I, I don't want to wind things too far back here, but uh, not everybody's going to be familiar with you. And I think if I was brand new listening to this story, I might hear John Stevenson was a goaltending coach who got interested in the mental side of the game, but, but you've got formal training in this area, don't you?
3: Yeah. So I, when I was at St. of X, St. Francis Xavier University, that's where I did my Bachelor of Arts and my Bachelor of Science. And then um, that's where I played my hockey. And then when I went to uh, York University to do my sports psychology degree, that's where I became the goalie coach for the York york Yeoman. And then when I came back home and I did my PhD at the U of A, that's where I was the goalie coach for the U of A Golden Bears. So I'd always combined. I just, I, I did not want to be a researcher. And, um, you know, a lot of the schools in Canada in sports psych are very research oriented, but I wanted to, you know, work with athletes. And I, because I was a goalie and I, I tried to combine both of those worlds. So I've been doing this for a, a long time. And even at my goalie school, um, you know, if Braden he was here the first time it, in, our, in Argyle Arena in Edmonton, there he is lying on the floor, inside in, in so you know, a dressing room arena doing progressive muscle relaxation to learn how to, to control the tension in this so we've been doing this you know or I've been doing it for a long time and I think that was one of the things that I tried to make my goalie school very different is that when kids would come to camp we devoted at least an hour and a half of that day towards mental training so the Carters and the Bradens that's how they got introduced to it Like it was just another part of their training it wasn't a an adjunct. It was literally, you know, okay, we're doing our ball drills to work on our vision training while we're doing our mental training. You know, we're going to do work on breathing and progressive muscle relaxation and pregame routine. It was just another facet. So they never looked at it as a, as a separate component, if that makes sense.
1: Does it surprise you, John? Like we've seen you talk about the top two components, you know, training goalie specific off ice, uh, training and trainers, Uh, obviously goalie coaching as at a level it's never been before. There are just, you know, lots of kids with multiple options, multiple coaches. We've seen the vision training come to the forefront. Uh, A lot more talk about it, driven probably in part by guys like Braden Holpe and Carter Hart, clients of yours. Uh, We see them spray the water bottle and then people ask the questions and they explain it. And so more and more kids get into the vision side. It seems to me, and, and I'm wondering if you see the same, that, the mental side, for the most part, we're not seeing the same commitment of resources from young goalies. And maybe even, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe even some pros in terms of, you know, they'll always say the game's 95% mental, but I'm not sure the amount of uh, energy spent in terms of training it matches that.
3: Well, I, and I totally agree with you. And I think if you asked any hockey player right now, uh, like, what, what did you do today to work on your mental game? just like if you went to your dry land training coach, he's going to give you several drills and exercises to work on your core. But a lot of hockey players and then goalies, like if you ask them, okay, what are some specific exercises that you do to work on developing your focus? What are some of the specific exercises that you do to develop your, your, your confidence? And they don't know. And so they literally do not know where the rubber meets the road um, you know, like a simple drill like doing three, four, five ball juggling, how much it can work on multiple object processing, which is what goaltending is. And but they don't know like the specific like the, I get this question all the time. I've got this eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy or daughter. Um, you know, would it be worthwhile to you know for them to come and see me you see you? And I'm like, absolutely, because we can give them practical, tangible exercises that they can do. And I just think a lot of people, um, they're not aware of that, and, and that's what we're trying to do—is really educate people that, um, like right from the get-go, they can do certain exercises to really work on developing their mental side of their game.
2: And is that the great separator? I mean, as we look at pros and we see that the the difference between uh, the good and the great is such a fine line. How much of it, to you, really is the mental side?
3: Well, I mean, like it, it's going to be interesting to see, like tomorrow night. Right. Um, if you look at all the best goalies in in the National Hockey League, everybody can stop a puck. Everybody can make a blocker save. It's you know when you get into this is you know like the the finals of the Stanley Cup. That's where I think that you know that self belief that you can really make a difference. That you in some ways you can single handedly win the game. Um, that's something that I, I definitely believe. It, you know it, it, it can make the difference in, you know, whether you win a Stanley cup or not. Um, you know, I, I, I go back to last year. A lot of people forget about this, that Braden he did not start the Stanley cup playoffs. He was sitting on the bench for the first two games and the amount of guys that would get rattled by that where Braden just kept his focus on himself and, and his training so that if he did get the call, he was mentally ready to go. And there's so many guys at the pro level where they get rattled by the management you know they you know and, and they let that derail them and that's one of the reasons why they never you know come out of the coast or they never come out of the American Hockey League um and the guys that are that have that me- mental resiliency no matter what the management or you know does they just keep developing they keep their focus on what they need to do on and off the ice to stop more pucks and I mean look at the goalie for the St. Louis Blues he's a really good example and you know, and just think about all the expectations that are going to be placed upon him next year, whether they win or not. Um, there's going to be that, you know, oh, is there going to be a sophomore jinx or anything like that? And so, how do you deal with these expectations that people place upon you? And and I think that's where mental training can really make a big difference.
1: Can you give us an example without giving too much away of, you know, a method that you might teach somebody to just, you know, just to give us a little anecdote or that you have worked with? And whether it's a pro or a kid on, on on you know how you manage something like expectations after a big year, or how you manage a pressure situation like a game seven, or is it just simply a matter, John, of doing the same things you've done in terms of mental focus on a game in game out basis and not changing them in big moments?
3: That that's exactly it. It's it's you you over the years, you know you 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 hear these goalies and it sounds cliche, but. They, they, you know, like I always joke that the puck doesn't know that it's a big game. The goalposts don't know that it's a big game. The ice surface doesn't know that it's a big game. You literally, you know, bring your routine, you bring your pregame routine, you bring your routines that you use in the game to help you to stay more in the moment, to be more present. And the guys that like a simple exercise of a, a big proponent of my practice is mindfulness. Where you know you're using the the breath not as a, a calming tool. A lot of people think that the breath um, is used to calm calm down. I don't use that at all. Like I use it as a way of learning how to be in the moment. Like you can't feel the sensations of your breath in the past. You can't feel the sensations of your breath in the future. You can only feel your breath in the moment. And a simple exercise of you know going to your mental gym every day and doing. This mindfulness meditation is one way of learning how to stay in the moment, to stay present, and not get you know too ahead of yourself. Um, you know, with regards to you know the upcoming season, and 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 if a young you know, and this could be taught to seven and eight year old goalies, and and it's you know like you look at someone like Carter, who's been and, and Nick Schneider. I mean, these are guys that I've been working with for a long time. And they've been doing this now for almost 10 years, 11 years. So where they, you know, whether it's five minutes or 45 minutes, every day they go to their mental gym. That's how they get really consistently good at this. So they, they learn to deal with what I call those uncontrollables, those B factors.
2: So can you take us back to that relationship with Carter Hart, who you just brought up? When did you start working with him? What was he like as a kid and, and how, how much have you progressed with him over the years?
3: Oh boy, Carter. I, I, we, we were talking about this. I'm actually going out for for lunch with him tomorrow. Um, And I'm going to pick his brain about uh, his experience over, you know, playing in the world hockey championships. Um, And and as much as I think I like to teach these guys, I learned a lot from them. I never played in the Stanley cup finals and I've never played in the world hockey championships. So, um, you know, Braden and Carter and a lot of these guys have been such a great resource for me because they share their experiences and then I can learn from them, and then pass it on to the the younger goalies. Um, I think I started with Carter when he was nine. Um, my first impression with Carter just unbelievable work ethic, very coachable, very open to ideas. Um, I remember when uh, I ran my goalie school in uh, Sherard Park. You know, we do these week long camps, and usually, you know the camp usually started at seven thirty in the morning and I would arrive at the rink at six, six 30 in the morning to get ready for the day. And there's Carter Hart throwing balls against the wall. He's the first kid, you know, doing all these ball drills that we taught and he just really, uh, wanted to, to be the best that he could be. And I know that sounds cliche, but, um, just real hungry to learn, um, different drills with puck handling, with tracking and, um, He's just a very open-minded kid, and, and he's taken a lot of the skills from Dustin Schwartz and his goalie coaches um, you know, in Philadelphia and his goalie coach in, in, in Everett and just um, been open to hear different things. I mean, even this year, he would tell you the biggest change that he made that really made a big difference in his game was radically changing his diet, and um, that made a huge impact. And he's just, that's, that's one of the qualities. He's got a phenomenal work ethic, um, very open, very coachable. This, these are these, C, these you know, C's and um, he parks his ego. You know, he, that's one thing he does is he parks his ego and, and he tries to, you know, take different, even like with some of the veterans with the Philadelphia Flyers this year, just being open to hear some different suggestions from the veterans in terms of you know, getting used to playing in, in the league. And and that's what makes him so special.
1: You, you, you said, I think the term you used was mental toolbox. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, but what, like, what is that? What does that look like? And is it different for every guy?
3: Well, I, I call it the seven C's, you know, like, um, so one of the C's that I just literally came up with in the last few, few months is compassion. It's amazing how many goalies if they have a tough game i mean look at our goalie for st louis where you know he had that tough game where you know he had five goals on i think 18 shots and and how he was able to just to let that go and be kind to himself and get himself ready for that next game and um everybody's a little bit different in that some goalies need to develop their focus more other goalies need to develop their consistency more other goalies need to work on, you know, mental rehearsal or as Pete would call it, Pete Fry would call it visualization. Um, so when people come in, um, I introduce these seven C's and then, uh, we, we look at, you know, what's the one that really like a lot of goalies, you know, this is a common one. uh, A lot of goalies have a real hard time, uh, letting go of a goal, you know, or a bad game. And, um, so, that's, you know, another skill. Like, so when we go to that, you know, the mental gym, they've got these key skills that they're working on every day to, to work on developing and honing those skills. And, and everybody's going to be a little bit different. Like uh, I call it hype numbers, zero being asleep and 10 being you've had 900 Red Bull. Um, you know, some goalies need to be more pumped up. Other goalies need to be more calmer. And what they do is they start to find out what works best for them. And that's why it's so important. I tell goalies never to compare yourself to other goalies. I mean, you know, go to goalie schools and listen to different goalie coaches um, and listen to different ideas. But at the end of the day, you can, you know, take things from different guys. Like Carter took, you know, different things from Braden Hopi. He took different things from Carey Price. And he's just incorporated it into his game. I know he, he got some stuff from Matt Murray here recently. But at the end of the day, he, he you know, he ends up being himself, If if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. So I wonder if we could maybe get you to respond to a few typical questions we might have from some parents or kids. And first one that comes to mind that I've seen a few times is, uh, you know, my young son gets uh, way too angry on the ice and smashing his stick after goals. What can I say to him? What can we do?
3: Well, the first thing is like, that's a great thing, believe it or not, because that tells me that he cares and that he wants to make a difference. It's how do we learn how to manage that energy more effectively so we're not trying to get rid of it like uh, anger like there, to me there's no such thing as negative emotions um, they're 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 if we can we can use it rather than letting it use us so the first thing is just helping them understand that a puck that crosses the goal line is just a puck that crosses the goal line it has no meaning the only mean, And so it it's helping the kids understand how much their thinking affects their perception and, and and their emotional control so we start off you know like Braden I know would probably uh you know he would allow me to talk about this but that was Braden's biggest issue and and I told Braden I can give you all the relaxation tools in the world but that's not going to make a difference if you have this belief that um you, you know you strive for perfection but don't expect it and if you think that everything is always going to go perfectly you know on the ice then you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get frustrated every game so um, I call it the three R's recognize, regroup and refocus. So it's not, it's helping the kids to understand that the best goalies in the world make the most mistakes. I mean, Carter Hart, his first junior camp, he went to the Sherwood park crusaders when he was 13 years old. And, you know, when he, fin- when he finished that camp, you know, he said, Johnny, I got lit up like a Christmas tree, but boy, did I ever learn a, a learn a lot and things that I need to work on. And that—that's the mindset that you want to have. That, you know, when you're going to these, you know, elite camps, um, you're gonna—you're gonna get scored on. If you got a better shooter, you're gonna get scored on. And and having that mindset that it's okay to make a mistake, it's okay to feel frustrated, it's okay to feel nervous, but being able to learn how to use these emotions in a positive way.
2: Fantastic. Now, how about how about dealing with a coach that's putting pressure on a kid? I mean how many coaches say, well, we're down by two. Now you you really need to shut the door here as if I was going to let the goal in before, uh, how's a kid deal with that pressure from a coach? You really need to step it up here.
3: Well, the first, the first step is just awareness again. Um, again, that's an uncontrollable and you know what the coach does or says has nothing to do with, uh, your job. It's the, uh, you know, and the first thing we talk about and you guys know, uh, coach Belichick, um, famous quote from coach Belichick for the new England Patriots is know your job, do your job, enjoy your job. And the first step is just recognizing that the coach has nothing to do with what you need to do on the ice. Um, And that's where a lot of kids, um, you know, whether the coach decides to play you or not, that has nothing to do. You know, I mean, this, this happened this year, Uh, Nick Schneider is playing for the Stockton heat. He's playing against the Oilers farm team. He's the first star in the game. I think they got outshot that night, like 55 to 15. And I text messaged him, you know, say congratulations on a great performance. They happened to lose that game that night, 2 to 1. And then Nick sends me a message um, saying that he just got sent down to the East Coast. Well, the following day, guess who was the first first guy on the ice working with his goalie coach in Kansas City? And so that's that's the difference. It's just – First of all, recognizing that you don't have control over an uncontrollable, but you definitely have control over how you choose to respond to it. And that's what that's what Nick has learned over the years. It's the old famous phrase, control the controllables. I mean, I could tell you thousands of stories of, you know, Kevin Constantine what he tried to do with Carter, you know, and Carter just realized, like, at the end of the day, it, it has nothing to do with what I need to do to get ready for the next game, no matter what the coach does or says.
2: Okay. Uh, So it it sort of sounds to me, John, if we get away from this for a little bit, that you're more than a mental skills coach. You're more than a goaltending coach. It sounds really like you're a a life skills coach for goaltenders.
3: Well, I'm a big believer that goaltending is what you do, but it's not who you are. And um, you really, really, um, I'm torn with spring hockey. Um, because I get it. I know that, you know, the, the caliber of hockey tends to be better, but um, I think it's really important that when you're away from the game, you are literally away from the game. And I can emphasize like at this time of year, now kids need to, yeah, they're doing their training, but then they got to just go be a kid. And, you know, Braden and I were talking last week and how important music is to him and how important just being with his family and um, spending that quality time and believe it or not, that actually makes you a better goaltender. Um, but I think it's really important that kids, um, you know, all my clients, I really emphasize, you got to get away from the game and you got to start to discover, you know, who you are as a person and and what's important and who are the the people that are important in your life. And a lot of these seven C's like, as much as Nick has had a great year as a first year pro, I still think Nick would be most proud that, um, you know, Nick suffered a pretty traumatic brain injury when he was younger and he was told that he may not get his driver's license. And a lot of the training that we've done with him, uh, whether it be the vision training or the neural neurofeedback um, he got his driver's license. And I, I could tell you right now, that's one of the proudest moments in his life. He uh, came in and just, you know, was barrel tackled me that day. And, um, that was just an amazing moment for Nick to see how how much pride he had in getting his driver's license. So absolutely, a lot of these skills you can use in you know writing an exam or try to get your driver's license or just you know daily life um, dealing with things that that can be stressful.
1: And That's of course Nick Schneider, Calgary Flames goalie prospect. John, um, you've teamed up. I wanted to ask you like how much of this stuff do you? Or can you present in a sort of tangible takeaway fashion? You've teamed up with Pete Fry. You guys have a one-day seminar coming up, uh, starting here in Vancouver, June twenty-second, twenty-third. But then moving across the country, the dates are all at the website, and we'll give out that information later. But like, what kind of takeaways in a in a in a seminar environment versus a one-on-one session? Because there's probably going to be a lot of goalies and goalie parents listening to this that'll be like, "Man, he's right. I need to. I need to." You know, I need to work on this, or this is something I maybe we should be investing in. Um, what kind of takeaways would they get out of that one day seminar thing versus, you know, being able to sort of work with you one on one in Edmonton?
3: Well, I think just uh, right off the bat, again, what we talked about is we're this is not going to be a sitting down presentation. Um, Pete and I, we're going to be having the, uh, the, the clients that come to the workshop in, in doing mode experiential. So they'll be doing a lot of the skills, like, like literally we're going to guide them through, you know, skills like mindfulness and, and heart rate variability training and visualization. So they're going to walk away out of there. Like the vision, all the ball drills. Like I was very lucky when I was very young, I went to Batislav a school and every ball drill. That my goalies use for pre-game and pre-practice routine, they're going to learn those that day. So, um, absolutely, like this is a you know I mean I'd I'd be lying to say that you know this is a jump start. This is to show people these are the types of things that you can do. And then if people want to pursue doing more individual training with Peter I, then there's that opportunity. But this is really to introduce people to an area that I think that a lot of people don't have no idea of. These are the types of things that you can do to really separate yourself, uh, come fall when you're in, uh, in triouts.
1: Actually. And I love that word workshop versus seminar. Cause they really are two different things I think in people's minds. So it sounds like a lot more hands-on. I wanted to get back quickly to the vision and ball drills. Cause I think you've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, vision is something that, you know, I said, I think a lot of goalies are started they've been turned on to we see a lot of goalies juggling and throwing balls off wall and i i think you know even me personally i always thought of it as you know warming up your eye hand coordination so to speak but multiple object tracking uh and juggling like can you explain to us how that is not just about eye hand but more about or or as much about the mental side of the game for for, for goaltenders
3: well you know when we talk about focus it's the, the two things it's what to focus on and then the actual skill of how to focus. Well, if a play's coming down on you, um, it's amazing how many goalies have been taught to just keep their eye on the puck. Um, they've never been taught the odd, even rule. They've never been taught to look off the puck. They've never been taught to that. It's critical to recognize which way the open man is shooting. Um, you know, if I said to Braden, okay, you're playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who are their five top players? Which way do they shoot, and what are their habits? Braden can tell me in a heartbeat. And if I ask most kids, you know, at amateur hockey, um, okay, who are the, you know, pick a team, you know, okay, who are their five top players? They have no idea. And that leads into mental preparation. So this is where your your mental rehearsal, your visualization. Um, and the, like doing five ball juggling, because there's five guys on the ice, well, now you, what you're doing is you're, you're developing your brain processing speed, you're developing your peripheral awareness, so you're literally reading and seeing the play at faster and faster levels. And, um, you know, just like you're, you're doing your physical warm up, when you do these ball and vision exercises, you're literally warming up your eyes and your brain so that you're you're in, in a lot of goalies too like even when they get taught this sometimes they make the big mistake of only doing it in games rather than treating your practice just like a game and so i i all my clients i want them they might have what i call a mini me version of it like you're doing the same exercises but just maybe not doing it at the same extent that you would do for a game but you're you're mentally warming up the brain just like you're you know, physically warming up the body. Do you do
1: when you mentioned things like multiple object track tracking? um, Obviously, I cover the Canucks or that's been part of my job here for 20 years. And it automatically makes me think of I think it was called the neuro trainer that they brought in. Um, They had their quote unquote mind room. They're pretty ahead of the time under under Mike Gills's direction uh, in terms of a sports science uh, background have you ever worked with those types of tools do you find that those can can be helpful because um, i do recall multiple object training being a big part of that neurotrainer trainer um, system setup
3: yeah so there's like we used to do it unfortunately um i we had it as part of our company but my former partner and i uh, separated ways but the the cognizance NeuroTracker tracker which you're talking about. The D2 Dynavision board, the synaptic, the uh the glasses, that, you know, um, all of that equipment. Um, if if this is just my personal bias, like 25 years ago, I came out with power skating for goalies and I got laughed at. And then, you know, 15 years ago I brought out the idea of every goalie should be doing some type of form of yoga. And I got laughed at, you know, when I brought that up. I personally feel Um, guys that if a goalie's not doing some form of vision training that they'll get left behind because the and the great thing with all of that equipment is there's no guesswork we can literally objectively measure how well your brain and your eyes are processing things so there's a few places here in Edmonton that do offer the uh I call it cognitive perceptual. I don't really like the word vision training because a lot of people miss that, the the cognitive component, the, the brain part of it. And so that's why I like to call it cognitive perceptual. And I think if you're going to be an elite goalie, I think just the nature of the game, this is another area that most goalies should be doing and they're not, and they can really develop their confidence because if they're, they're processing, seeing things more, Automatically, their confidence level is going to go up.
2: Okay, John. I, we we've heard it from Braden, and we've written about it here at Ingold before. But we've got you on the line, so we really need to hear from you. Uh, tell us about the water bottle, the squirting of the bottle between plays in the NHL. Uh, what's Braden doing there? What's Carter doing there?
3: In essence, learning how to get back into the present moment. So you know, the ironically, the the, the title of our Uh, mental training tour this summer is what we call playing out of your mind and so you know carter and Braden would have a tendency to get stuck in their head you know they'd be thinking they'd have thoughts or images of the goal getting by by them so when they shoot that water up into the air one they're literally getting out of their head and they're getting out of the past and they're literally just tracking that water all the way from the moment it leaves to the, the the moment it hits the ice. And it's just their way of getting back into the moment. I've had other goalies where they take a skate into the corner and they feel the wind against their face. And it's just their way of being able to mentally let go of the past and regroup and get back into the moment. And that's one of the things that we do at the workshop. It's what we call the three R routine, recognize, regroup, and refocus. And that's just their way of regrouping and getting their mind back into, uh, into the game.
1: Okay. I got one more for you on the whole Carter Hart thing. It's, and we've seen it with other goalies around the league, but when, when we see Braden come out, before a game long before a game he sort of leans on a stick sets his head and darts his eyes back and forth and I've talked to him about it before but he's he's finding he tells me he finds two different points on a rink board and then he moves back and forth at different speeds I always thought of it as vision is it a combination of vision and cognitive as well what's the what's 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 the process there
3: well, I, I mean, I've never had a chance to talk to Connor, Connor Hollybuck because you'll see that he does it as well. Right. Um, I know I know some goalies are doing it for pure vision. Um, Braden definitely is doing both. Like, he's doing – like, so when he, you see him on the bench doing it, he's literally running through his mind different odd man rushes that are coming down on him, different rushes. So he's not only doing it to, to develop the peripheral – But at the same time, he's running, running mental imagery, uh, mental, um, you know, different teams and different options. You know, that's what he's doing when he's same with Carter. He's that's what they're doing. They, they find that by combining both, they're, they're kind of killing two birds with one stone.
1: Okay. And from the vision side, it's just from the vision side, it's just more warming. He's talked about this with us as well. It's just the, the eyes are a muscle. You got to warm them up as well as you do any other muscle in the body.
3: Correct. Yes.
1: Okay. Nice.
2: So John, you've, you've teamed up on these seminars with Pete, uh, coming up. Do you want to just tell us a little bit more about them and how people, uh, can register for them?
3: Well, I'm really honored to work with Pete Fry. Um, he's just just the most passionate and, um, he really wants to make a difference, uh, in goaltenders lives. And he, just brings so many things um, to the workshop, particularly the visualization. Um, he's the master at it. They, like kids are going to walk out of there knowing how to do, you know, mental rehearsal and visualization. And um, the, they can go to the uh, website goalieseminars.com, dot com, and it has all of the dates. Or they can go to uh, my website zoneperformance dot ca and under you'll see under there's a the services you'll see a page that says uh goalie coaching and they can you know learn all the information about the the uh workshop or um you know individual services that i that i provide um basically we're going to be going across uh, several cities across canada um the workshop on the saturdays is for adam and peewee goalies and then on the sunday it's for the older group for the bantam and uh up to the pros and uh it's a full day workshop. We're going from nine o'clock to uh, five o'clock. It's, you know, basically an eight hour day where we're going to go over these, uh, these seven C's. And again, like you said, I love how you mentioned it earlier. It's a workshop They'll they'll be working and we encourage the parents. Like if the parents want to come in and and see what we do, um, we even goalie coaches, if any of the goalie coaches would like to come in and learn about that part of the game, uh, we want the goalie coaches there because we feel that this is something that's just not being addressed in Canada. And I think I, I'd like to get uh, Canada back on top as being the, the the experts in the world in terms of developing top-level goalies.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Um, John, I, I've been lucky enough to have my son work with uh, Pete. I think he probably was even a novice when he first started doing some visualization before games. Uh, Pete is an incredibly enthusiastic guy. And I remember the first time he did it, I asked Maddie, uh, how did that go? And he said, well, it was kind of strange. And I guess it would be <laughs> if you're only six or seven years old, but it works. And, uh, and after that, for, for the rest of the tournament we were in at the time, he insisted on listening to the tape of, uh, the pregame visualization every time. So, uh, yeah, it does work. And I know Pete's had a lot of success with a lot of people just as you have. And uh, I certainly look forward to being at the seminar. Uh, we're going to be there on the Sunday, uh, both myself and my son, and and look forward to learning some great things from you and Pete.
3: Well, and and Pete, you know, talks a lot about um, like how you can again. You mentioned it earlier, like how you can take this skill. Like I'm, I'm just as proud as I have a lot of goalies that are police officers now, that are surgeons, that are doctors, that and, and they they will come back and say like you know you know, when we're in millennium place in shirt park and you're teaching us visualization, well, I've been able to use that for my career now. And I'm just as proud of that as them, you know, being goalies back in the day. So it's a skill, like I said, for a lot of the parents, again, we're, we're, I, I personally believe that Pete and I are going to be teaching skills that they can, you know, use for their life as well as their goal tending.
1: Perfect. That's, that's well said, John. And, uh, I also wanted to just say thanks for your time. I know how, uh, you know how little free free time you have. How busy you are between the the, the sports psychology training, as well as um, you know working with uh, other clientele through the Zone um, Performance uh, in Edmonton, and with this coming up. So not to mention, you know, like you said, uh, visiting with Holtz and visiting with Har- with Carter. So thank you very much for taking the time to join us and uh, we'll be sure to sort of uh, pass along more of the information on the podcast and online so parents and goalies and goalie coaches can all check out the tour when you guys hit the road.
3: I uh, really appreciate being on your show, guys. Thank you so much. You guys do such a great job for getting information out to goalies in all, in all of those areas. It's 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 a great uh, great time to be a goalie.
2: Thanks, John. Look forward to seeing you in Vancouver.
3: Thanks again, guys.
0: That was a fun interview to listen to. I, I, we, we try and do these these conversations uh, with our guests, all three of us, uh, with, the, with the subject. But sometimes it's good just to sit back and, and listen to you guys have these... Uh have these talking points and and pick the brains of uh, of somebody like John Stevenson, and his journey is so unique because he was on the ice talking about goaltending and positioning and the physical side before he made this transformation over to the uh, to the psychologist angle and and the mental coach and and Braden Holpe and Carter Hart are his big proteges, but but Hutch, I mean, this, this is a process that's involving with the, with the, the average goaltender and the future goaltender.
2: Yeah. What, what a fascinating individual. I mean, he's not just somebody who is fascinated by the mental game and decided to become an expert. He is an expert uh, on both sides of the game, uh, both the goaltending technique and the mental side of the game as, as a registered psychologist. He doesn't just do sports psychology with goaltenders. He's actually fills his days with uh, clinical work as well. Um, so do you call him a renaissance man of goaltending? A long conversation with John uh, varies from the mental side of the game to nutrition, to sleep, to are you drinking enough water? I mean, the, the number of stuff that he he gets into, uh, he really is a student of the game and it, and it's a fascinating conversation. So uh, I'm really excited to get the chance to sit down with John when he, he comes to Vancouver in a couple of weeks. Uh, he and Pete Fry, who's been a longtime friend of, of In Goal, uh, himself very successful in the field, working with uh, goaltenders at the junior and pro level, and now a number of younger goaltenders as well. So, so Pete and John teaming up, as they mentioned uh, in the interview, uh, are going to be bringing a number of workshops, real hands-on opportunities to learn more. And uh, they'll be with us in Vancouver, both on June 22nd and June 23rd. We're going to be there on the 23rd, the, uh, the day after the draft. Uh, really looking forward to learning with these guys. And then they're going to be uh, taking that journey across the country. Uh, Toronto, they'll be in Montreal, they'll be in Halifax, Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon, Ottawa, Winnipeg. So anybody listening in is going to have an opportunity to, uh, to learn from the guys that really work with the best goaltenders on the planet. And I, I, I was thinking as we were talking, we, we, we've often been fascinated that parents are happy to drop $2,000 or more on a new set of pads and a little bit nervous about spending money on a helmet as if that's not the, uh, the feature item on the goaltending gear list. And we wonder why you don't put um, that $1,000 pro helmet at the top of your list because the head is the most important thing to protect. Similarly, I think the head is the most important part of an elite goaltender, and why wouldn't somebody be investing uh, in something that's going to make them a better goaltender on the mental side of the game? So really excited to see what uh, both these guys have to offer, and uh, look forward to having you guys, or at least one of you, with me there.
1: Well, Well, to be honest, the true test is if he can fix me, he can fix anyone.
0: Well, that's and, what I was going to go with, uh, Woody, is, is the real, real nugget here is down the road. If I can get John one-on-one and do a debrief with him on what he thinks of you two and, and what he got out okay. of you two, not, not, not what you two got out of him. Hey, I was, I was amazed, though, in that interview because we sort of
2: handed him that question from one of the readers or listeners uh, about a, a, a young kid who sort of goes Woody Snaptastic. And he said that was a good thing. Yeah. See. And, and I, I was shocked. So I mean, he was looking for the bright side of a difficult story because he definitely didn't want a kid to be like that all the time. But anger but is your friend.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> fascinating interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Road rage. Use it as a positive. <laughs> get 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 your own lane make your own space he obviously Um,
2: doesn't have a young goaltender he has to buy 300 dollars sticks for
0: (laughs) no uh mine like a steel trap to uh to steal on your feet it's uh time to segue over to our gear segment kevin's back on the road at the hockey shop source of sports thehockeyshop.com back together with cam reunited to feel so good
1: Welcome back to the basement of the hockey shop, Source for Sports, here in Surrey with Cam and a couple-week break, buddy, to recover from Tendyfest. We gave you a little downtime. We ran the interviews from Tendyfest as our gear segment. I guess the question, after such a massive undertaking
4: and such a great day, have you recovered? I. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm i still kind of getting there, I I believe. Uh, still got some paperwork to go through and some dust still to kind of settle. But uh, I'd say, yeah, after a, what uh, has been a, a successful event for sure, I'd say it's been good to catch up on a little bit of rest. And so we're going to get back to
1: some... We're not going to go gear-specific this week. We're not going to go brand-specific. We're going to talk about one of the... It's funny, we have... John Stevenson, who is the mental sports psychologist for Braden Holpe and Carter Hart, is our one of our feature guests this week. And we talked about how the mental part of goaltending is one of the biggest parts, and yet it's one of the least trained quite often. What we're going to talk about today on gear, I think, is related. Skate blades, steel, replacements, options. The most important thing we hear from goalie coaches right up to the NHL. we got the draft here next week. One of the things they're all going to talk about is Kenny skate. Your connection to the ice may be the most important part of your equipment. And yet I think a lot of us overlook it. We just kind of take what comes with the skate. Uh, we don't change the profile. We don't do custom radiuses. We just take it and we go. And sometimes we let it get a little thin and wear out. So let's start maybe um we talk about different blade replacement options but maybe let's start with custom profile and custom radius and the kind of things you guys do there and some of the popular sort of goalie cuts uh that you see have evolved over the past couple of of years with cecil up in the skate sharpening shop
4: even to preface this a little bit even before i started working here um a long time ago now it is but uh I didn't know there was this many options that we do have um, that we will go through here, even for profiling and regards to steel. Heck, I didn't even know there was different hollows that I could go. I usually just threw my skates up there and hope the guy did the best. So you know, it's it's very common. You've come a long way. Yeah, surprise, right? Um, it's very common that when uh, we ask, because when we uh, do our skate fittings here, we also sharpen them up for you and whatnot. It's very common for people to be like, I didn't even know there was an option. So it's becoming less and less prevalent. And the more informed you are, the you know better choices you can make. And this is, you're right, it's extremely important. You need to be able to skate. So um, starting off in terms of uh, profile options, um, there's three uh, major ones that we recommend. We have a pro sharp machine, so it's, it's done all by automation. Um, In particular, again, this depends a little bit on what your specific needs are inside the net. Personally speaking, I recommend one that's called the Dual Profile. It's a 24-28. Basically, what it will do, um, it shaves material off in the front, so it tips you a little bit more onto uh, the balls of your feet, Um, leaves the middle of the skate fairly flat, and then once you get to the heel, it shaves a little bit more off. Um, Again, for rotation on the skate, anything on your post, you'll find that you'll be able to catch your edge a little bit quicker.
1: So a little bit more, we, we tend to think of goalie skates as sort of a straighter blade along the bottom. This has got a, you know, it's a little bit more, for lack of a better term, a little bit more rocker to it on the on the toe and even a little bit on the heel.
4: Correct, exactly. And now that one would we'll probably consider the one right in the middle. Um, two other options that we offer. There's just a single profile, which is the 27 foot. Um, basically, it's just an improvement over the stock radius that would come on any set of steel.
1: And the stock radius on most steel is what?
4: Off the top of my head, you got me. Oh, we
1: stumped them. We'll have to look that up and add it
4: in later. Um, either way, the, what this will do will actually improve consistency for sharpeners from person to person. So the one thing with getting a profile, if you're taking your skates to a multitude of different sharpeners, the profile will unfortunately get screwed up very quickly. If you're taking to the same sharpener, it will stay, for the most part, remain consistent. But it usually... about two three months and then you have to get your skate reprofiled depending on how often you sharpen your skates
1: that's like if you go to a guy where it's my pet peeve when i go to other places because sometimes i can't make it to cc so it happens you need an edge you're in a jam. i won't name names but you can just hear the guy grinding down on the heels every time and like way too many laps over the blade and just like way too much pressure at the toe and way too much pressure at this at the heel and you go to a guy like that often enough He's gonna change your profile because he's not taking. He's not. He's not even across the front to the back of the skate. It's just, just the reality. If you've got skates and they're worn and you're you're way low on steel at the toe and the heel, that chances are that's part of what's been happening.
4: Correct, and that's a major asterisk to kind of all of this conversation. Is again, you need someone that's consistently sharpening your skates, whether that's us or whoever you do go to. You've I just got to, recommend Cecil upstairs. Just slide in a little bit there. Uh, That said, it's just that it can get uh, mistaken or, again, like you said, pressure put in the wrong spots and that can really toast the profile and create an even worse experience. So just kind of a small note that way. Um, The last one that we do offer is the, they call it the goalie Sam. So, Basically, this takes it what we do in the dual profile, the 24-28, and then even more takes it to a bit more of an extreme. So we're even more off the toe, even flatter midsection, and the same radius at the back, which is that 27 foot. Um, this this would be the most aggressive. Personally, I haven't tried it, because after looking at the profile machine, it looks like a little bit much, but if you're looking for as much toe pitch as you can possibly get, this would be the way to go. So you're
1: going to feel that when you're on your skates, you're going to feel more pitch forward in that than you would in another one? That's correct. And of course, that changes, too, from manufacturer to manufacturer. I'll say the one thing, we've uh, had a really good experience uh, in the new CCM FT, FT2 skate, uh, the jet speed skate. Um, we're in the process of testing it. Obviously, we've got a full custom skate. Um, based on, on having the 3D scan done and, and having all that profile information sent to them. It's been a real positive experience. One thing that I've noted uh, when we went back to the our, our Bauer set, this isn't a criticism or one or the other, just a difference to highlight. For sure, a much more neutral pitch in the CCM, whereas the Bauer was more of that forward pitch. So you're going to a custom goalie profile may depend also on you know the brand you're in if you for example were used to a bower and you find the ccm is, is more neutral than you might like you could have a custom profile put on it and sort of find that balance back to where what you were used to in the bower or i guess in theory vice versa as well
4: that's correct and that's a that's a great point to highlight because you know you're 100 correct the vertex is pitched a little bit further forward than what comes stock on the ft2 so Um, Again, if you're trying to find that comfortability level again, this is a great way to set it there. One thing I highly recommend, and they were at Fest, if pro shops ever setting up some kind of demo event near you, Take advantage of and check out some of the different steels because this is something you can kind of try and you have to try it to like it. But the thing is, is that once you set it to a profile, we're grinding away steel, and to set it back, we're grinding away more steel. So, you know, from a fresh set of blades, we could be down to three quarters left or even half left just after messing around with four or five profiles to find what you like. So, okay. take advantage of a demo day if you can.
1: Okay, well, we're going to get to the, you know, Aftermarket steel and things that you can add to your skates, different options, different steel. Let's start with stock though. Um, let's look at Bauer. Uh, we've had some some great experiences in the Bauer uh, 2S Pro uh, skate. Uh, they went, they changed their steel there, um, added a little more steel to it. I think ergonomically, you know, they've told me that they probably, you know, like really, the 1S was the right height. They've added some steel because goalies felt they just wanted more steel. Again, if you were putting a custom profile in it, just to have a little more left to, to, to get some more sharpenings out of or to be able to put a profile in it. Uh, we've had a great experience there. Obviously, the FTT – I always say FTT. I can't – it's just FT2, you idiot, idiot Kevin. Um, in the new CCM skate, um, again, a great experience there as well. There's a lot more steel on the toe and the heel, the way they've angled the holder up there. Um but the black edges, so walk, walk me through those two and how they're separated maybe from the lower price point where you don't get the black steel. Uh, anecdotally, our testers have noticed in both cases, the Bauer black steel and the CCM black steel, it feels like it cuts your sharpening needs about in half. I mean, obviously, you can slam into a post and lose an edge in a hurry, um, especially if you're flaying, flailing around in the crease and jamming it up the way I do. Um but for the most part, it does feel like it almost doubles your the, the length of your sharpening. And those are options. If you don't have it stock, you can get that black steel in an aftermarket blade as well. Correct. So,
4: yeah, there's a lot of information to cover from what you just said. And even reminding back to your point where even Bauer said that was enough steel. Bauer said that, but the general store feedback, even from us, for example, is it wasn't enough. I had guys trying to run three sets of blades because they were crushing through steel so quickly. So thus came the 3G+, plus, which is now inherently taller than the 3G steel, which is stock original steel for the 1S. And then from that 3G+, plus, then came the 5G+, plus, which is now the black edge steel, which you see stock on the 1X, or uh, sorry, the 2X and 2S.
1: Yeah, we've got ours on the 2S. And like you said, like, like ergonomically, like, like again, you're right. We saw it at retail. We heard it from goalies. We experienced it when we tested 1S. We wanted more steel. But in terms of, like, actual biomechanics and the correct pitch and the correct attack angle, like... They weren't chintzing out on steel in one S is what I'm saying. They had they had figured that out. They had done the science on that. But then they recognized, hey, we may have hit the perfect sweet spot in terms of performance or how we think it should perform. But we need to give goalies a little more steel to play with, and they've definitely got that now. Uh, and the feedback has been really positive.
4: Exactly. And now within that, you touched on it a little bit before that, uh, lasting edge of the 5G or carbon steel. Um, highly, highly recommended it if it's something you haven't tried. Um, I personally skate on it myself. My sharpenings cut down down in half alone. So um, it sounds about the same as us. Yeah, you know, at about two to three ice times a week, I'll go usually a month without uh, sharpening my skates. Whereas, uh, you know, before was about every two weeks. Um, it holds its edge; it holds its edge fine. Even when I do hit a post, I actually find the edges a bit stronger. Whereas in previous steels, I, I would have beveled the edge really easily. Um, I don't find that as much with the black edge steel so far. So nothing the but point, good things. Right? It's,
1: it's giving you a basically designed to be harder on that edge and to maintain that edge a little bit longer. So anecdotally, what we say kind of makes sense to you know what they say is the reason for switching to that and obviously again you said too in the FT2 as well um, that black edge steel is there on the XSG um, speed blade uh, in their XSG black speed blade
4: that's correct, and then, I mean, this is something that, again, where you're going to have to try on different skates and whatnot and find what's right for you. Now, that I would say those two steels between the CCM and the Bauer are comparable, so it's not like one's better than the other at that point. Um, but that said, I do have other options, and I've got about six packs of steel here in front of me. I even still have a couple more options um, upstairs. We have steel for the old Vertex, um, like cowling skates for Bauer. I've still got steel for graph skates. Um, Varying degrees for step, and as well as extreme step steel. Um, beyond that, in terms do you have?
1: Do you still have steel for like the old like Bauer? Or sorry, not Bauer. Sorry, the like the old Reebok cowling. Like 20k, 9k. You still have steel for that? I believe we still have a couple extra pairs upstairs. Yeah. Ooh! Shout out to Paul Drew, uh, goaltending coach, who was with me at the uh, Hockey Canada Program of Excellence goalie camp last week. We may have some help for you here. <laughs> I'm just giving him a hard time because he's still rocking the old skates. Him, him, Devin Dubnik, and John Gibson still rocking the old Reebok skates. So they're gonna they're gonna need some replacement steel in the near future.
2: Oh, got I got it. I got it. it. I got it. I got
4: it. So beyond that, um, when we were talking about it, when we touched on it quickly before, so say for the new Bauer um, skates in particular, I have tons of that uh, 5G um, plus uh, carbon steel in stock ready to rock and roll for them. I also got the 3G, which is basically the same height as the 5G, just not carbon coated. Um, sorry, that's a 3G plus. And then I do have the original 3G for the 1S um, as well, but I don't have as many pairs of that left over because we've moved towards the 3G plus. Because everybody wants taller and more steel to play with. Exactly. 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 Makes so, sense. so a couple other uh, aftermarket brands have hopped on making steel as well. Um, I do have some of the Titan blades, which at the time were the only other option um, for the Vertex um, edge holder. Um, I've bought one that's a mirrored edge, which is basically a polished steel. Um, similar concept to what was happening in the, uh, the 5G carbon coated. Um, it's just a way to, again, make that edge stronger, for example.
1: And then step steel, which is kind of the original aftermarket. Maybe I, I shouldn't say original, but it was certainly the one that gained the most notoriety, especially with the step steel extreme options that were you know back in the day of those very low profile Reebok holders, uh, giving you a better attack angle with the extreme step has been been around a long time. What are the differences uh, between step and tied in, uh,
4: whether it's in terms of cost or quality or options? So what the step steel that we have for the vertex edge holder in particular um, is actually something a little bit different so what it does is it's actually a four mil steel that snaps into the three mil blade so if you're finding you still want um, that thicker blade option this is basically your only option to do that with a bower skate to still kind of skate on a four mil steel Um, it's something that we carry in stock. Wow.
1: Okay. I didn't realize anybody was doing that, to be honest with you. I'm an old four mil guy myself. And there are times as a guy who likes a deep three eighths got a lot of weight to push around from my knees. What can I say? I need an edge. Um, put on a few LBs over the years. Um, I found it easier to get it in a four mil. And so I found that I've had to go, you know, deeper in a three mil to get the same type of feel, the same type of responsive edge. So having that option in step steel is, that's interesting to me. So that's, uh, that's, that's the only one that makes that. Have they got that yet for CCM, or is it just strictly on that Vertex?
4: Uh, right now, just strictly on the Vertex. But I'm sure they'll once you know CCM start gaining more traction in that skate department. I would say once they gain a little bit more, I'm sure Step Steel will probably take a look at making something.
1: And if you're a goalie out there and you're wondering four mil, three mil, why did everyone go to three mil? Um, why would I? Why would that have changed? I think the biggest answer is weight. Right? Yes, like I mean, you're taking you're essentially it's one of the heaviest parts of a skate is is the blade, and you're basically reducing that by a quarter.
4: Well, one other way that I do describe it though is that you can think about it as like a fine edge knife point. The fat of that knife point edge is, in theory, more steel that's contact the ice, more grab, but less glide. For example, so for me personally, I like to be able to shuffle across my crease very easily. On a 4-mil steel, I always kind of dig in, and you really have to take a lot of effort to push through. But with a 3-mil blade, I find I can slide through my edges quite easily. But when I go to go cut, because that edge point is finer, I still get all that cut and push off.
1: That's why Devin Dubnik cringes when we go to shuffle drills, and he's got those old Reebok skates with a big wide 4-mil and a deep edge, and he's like, oh, these skates don't shuffle. <laughs> that explains it. There, we've got it explained to us. Um, okay, so that's your custom options, the Titan... Uh, The step steel, also, like you said, aftermarket steel and the XSG holder. uh, So you can buy multiple sets. Same with the Bauer with, with the LS5. All those options are here. Now, are you seeing kids buy multiple sets of steel for one pair of skates so that they can come in, bring them in, have three sets sharpened, and not have to
4: come in again until they've worn all three out? That is a that is a common uh, play. I uh, definitely see uh, multiple edges of steel, so that way you can kind of flip through. For guys that do hit the post a lot, it's a chance to swap all their blades because of those quick swap blades now. You know, you quickly... Get okay, have a quick whistle, scaling over, you know, swap them out. So, um, yeah, it's not uncommon to see you know two, three sets of steel every time that uh, a pair of skates get brought in.
1: Any beer leaguers
4: doing that? Because that seems a little keen to me.
1: We uh, don't want to call anybody out here.
4: It, no, oh, you know what? I it, it, I'm sure there are a few. Um, I I haven't gone out of my way to go find them. Put it that way. Okay
1: okay for the record i don't folks and i have access (laughs) to gear like crazy and not not even i am having multiple sets of steel if i lose an edge i just probably skate better to be honest with you okay perfect cam um thank you for this all the different steel options all the different profile options as usual uh if you want more information on it you can visit them at the hockey shop source for sports here in surrey in person come talk to cam uh we haven't had him on for a couple weeks so his head's back down to its normal size not too big uh, Make you sure you see Cecil up in the skate shop. If you got any other questions or you want to order online, you can contact them. Check out the website at thehockeyshop.com. Or if you want to phone in and talk to somebody in person who understands goaltending, you can get them at
4: 604 589
1: 8299. There's the radio voice from Cam Matt with for Cam and Kevin from The Hockey Shop. And episode 21 of In Goal Radio podcast brought to you by The Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Cam, thanks for taking the time today.
4: Thanks, Cam.
0: Good stuff. You know, we've heard about the sticks and the pads. We've talked so much uh, about uh, the upper body and trying to conform to the regulations of the national hockey league, but, but the steel part, Woody, like it's, it's blown up. What in the last five years?
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think of when Danny Taylor,
0: because I do think
1: that step steel and the, and the step steel extreme products were kind of what first made, brought this to the attention of goaltenders a little more. Um, Danny Taylor, obviously, when the Calgary Flames signed him to a contract, he was playing in the American Hockey League here in Abbotsford using Reebok Cowlings with the step steel extreme blade, and that's a, that was a lot of steel. And the NHL actually made it illegal. They said he can't use those. Um, and I do think it made you taller, right? Yeah, it, it was
0: it was higher off the ice. But
1: but the irony now, of course, is and and the irony a little bit, frankly, there are people who rail against step steel um and the step steel extreme product and i get it it's it's way too tall but the irony is in the meantime with taller holders there are products out there that are a lot taller than that setup that danny taylor had and have a lot more aggressive attack angle as a matter of fact most most stock skates now for goalies have as aggressive or more aggressive and are as tall or than that original step steel extreme was on his Reebok cowling, which had a lower profile. So I think that's where it kind of started. Um, step steel at the time was increasingly popular in the NHL outside of the extreme product. Uh, goalies were using their their standard product, which was still like three four millimeters taller than regular steel, uh, gave you a little more bite, a little more attack angle, and this just became a conversation that became common around goaltending uh equipment companies have done a great job adapting it into their product we talked with cam about the bauer the evolution from the 1s to the 2s and the 2x in terms of making that steel a little taller giving goalies more room to work with in terms of sharpening lasting custom profile again um the conversation is there it's gotten better but much like john stevenson in the mental side of the game i do think for a lot of parents and a lot of goaltenders it's the last thing they think about. And it's the most important thing in a lot of regards because it is your connection to the ice. And if you can't move
0: in today's game, you can't play. How often do you sharpen your skates? Woody?
1: Every time I go to the hockey shop and see someone wants to tune me up. Um, I, you know, uh, I'm probably when I'm playing three or four times a week, uh, I'm probably sharpened every week to week and a half.
0: Wow. How about you? Hutch?
2: Yeah, I'd say similar. I'd say similar. And, uh, and the little guy who's a little more finicky than me, he, he would honestly tune them up every ice session if I'd let him. He, he notices the difference, so. Probably go through
0: a couple of sets of blades a year then.
2: Uh, and, and I haven't, but I should be more careful about that. I still remember, Kevin. Because you get
0: used to it, right? Like, like it's a gradual No, no, thing for when, sure. When, Ke- yeah. Kevin,
2: I still remember when we started back in this 10 years ago or so, a couple of stories about Lou and I think Jonathan Quick and how, how frequently they Swap their steel and and how uh, they could notice if if somebody went back to old stuff on them as well, right?
1: Well, yeah, then that's exactly it. This is how this conversation started because at a time when 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 we started to look for taller steel, when goalies started to have that conversation, one of the other conversations we were having with regulars in the NHL was how frequently they replaced their steel to get taller steel, like like just out of stock steel because the sharpening was wearing it down right. and that they noticed the difference and Lou's a guy who you know he's an older school guy and that he was in Reebok skates up until 2 years ago that same ones Um, You know, think of like the 9K, the 20K, that program with the full cowling, really low profile. Go find a picture of Devin Dubnik. He's still wearing them. John Gibson, still wearing them. Corey Crawford up until this past, I think season and a half or two seasons, he switched into a CCM more updated skate, but he was in the Reeboks. Um, Just a really low profile skate. Lou switched to the true two piece, uh, had a little groin, you know, he had had some groin issues with it last year. I mean, it changes everything. When you go from that, lowest profile possible Reebok to one of the tallest skates available, the true two piece, you're changing everything in terms of what muscles are activating to make a push, where you're engaging those muscles in your push um, butterfly recoveries, but man, he'll never switch back. Uh, I've got that audio. I've got video of it when I was with him on the ice in Florida uh, last August, just talking about, you know, how much better and easier his recoveries were in the new steel, in the new skates, he never slips out. Whereas in the past, that used to be a problem. So it, it's definitely a conversation that started at the NHL level with guys just constantly putting new steel in their skates. And companies recognize that there was an opportunity there to give them even more of an edge by giving them even more steel. And it's evolved from there
0: more steel does it give you more room more vulnerability in an RVH if you're putting your foot right against the post for a, for a puck to slide through there uh, straight on post
1: oh absolutely and we've seen that a yeah. ton of those goals i mean it's not just the taller steel in that case it's the it's the no cowling taller holders um, in some cases the the gap is much bigger than a puck and it basically becomes a ramp if it's along the if it's on the ice against the post Um, It can be a little ramp, and there's definitely enough space. We've seen a lot of big goals over the past couple of years in the playoffs banked in from dead angles or below the goal line, uh, hitting that skate, hitting the bottom of the pad and banking in or just finding that hole. So um, it's one of the issues with post-integration that we've seen talked about a lot in the NHL. If you're using skate on post with new skates, that gap is something you need to be mindful of because it's definitely big enough to have a puck go through And we've seen some really costly pucks sneak through over the past couple of seasons.
0: And Hutch, before we wrap this thing up, uh, some great listener questions that you passed along to John Stevenson. Uh, And if people want to uh, query us, how do they get in touch with us?
2: Uh, Darren, we'd love to hear from all our listeners at podcast at ingolmag.com. That's podcast at ingolmag.com.
0: You don't have to send a letter. You can just send us an email, which makes it a lot easier to get a hold of somebody like Dusty Emu. Woody?
1: Yeah, quick congratulations to Dusty Emu. He was in the news this week. Actually had a heads up. This was coming before it became public. I knew he was considering it. Uh, Big move for him. Big loss for the LA Kings, frankly. Uh, He played a big role uh, in resurrecting the careers of Peter Budai and Jack Campbell in the past year, obviously he had played a big part in getting the recruiting and early development of Cal Peterson, um, who looks like a real good future NHL for them. He's off to China uh, to coach in the KHL uh, better deal, better offer there. He took it. Um, and just, he's a fascinating guy, a guy I've gotten to know and enjoyed talking to over the years. And, and we're going to make sure he's also happens to share a hometown with me here in white rock, uh, you know, on the border just below Vancouver. And we'll make sure we get together for a coffee real soon and hit and and bang out a podcast here because, you know, his story uh, playing for Japan in the 98 Olympics, uh, becoming a goaltending coach uh, with the Winnipeg Jets and then the LA Kings, the success he's had there, the playing career, playing with his son as an emergency backup and his son's first start, Jonah, in the American Hockey League. There are so many good stories um that dusty emu has to tell us we'll make sure we get him on the podcast in the very short future but for now just a congratulations to him on a great opportunity to go to china and play a role you know much like he was in japan for the 98 olympics he has an opportunity now it's not just the khl he has an opportunity to help play a role in the goaltenders who are going to play for china uh at the at at the next olympics in beijing
0: sounds like you guys just go for a coffee date and hang out and talk goaltending uh look forward to that uh and say hi to Dusty because he's uh, he is one of the great uh, characters of the game with all those experiences. Uh, thanks to John Stevenson uh, for passing along his knowledge in, in this episode 21, Camp at the Hockey Shop. Nice to have you back. Next week, a roundtable of goalie coaches from that Hockey Canada camp, all three of which played in the National Hockey League. Jason LaBarbera, Danny Sabrin and Freddie Brathweet, all with a conversation with uh, with Woody. And the best part, the most amazing part, is Woody was not the most talkative person in the segment. I'm not going to tell you who was, but uh, but he, but he was not the most talkative. Uh, that's all coming up next week. Thanks for listening. Without you, we're just talking to ourselves, and that's that's not fun at all. Trust me on that one. Uh, Click your likes on your podcast provider. It helps us out a great deal. Think of it as a stick tap to In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com.